Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The voices of undocumented immigrants often remain silent, hidden, secret. That's mainly because of anti-immigrant rhetoric that has the potential to turn violent or deadly. An anthology amplifies their voices as they tell their immigration stories through verse, prose, and art. Somewhere We Are Human, Authentic Voices on Migration, Survival, and New Beginnings is edited by Reina Grande and Sonia Guignan-Saca, who were themselves undocumented immigrants. The collection shifts the rhetoric around immigration to one rooted in humanity. The title of the collection is drawn from a poem by Guignan-Saca that opens the collection. The poem is separated into three sections— Before, which recounts memories before migration, Reunion, where Guignan Saka remembers the awkward reunion with her parents in the U.S. as a child. And after, Guignan Saka describes success in the U.S. and the sacrifices her parents suffered. Our conversation begins with Guignan Saka reading the first part of the poem, Before. Before. Starts with a morning ritual. Mamamichi braids my mom's hair. Pouring cold water from a chip cupped, a baptism over the bathroom sink. The comb is missing teeth. There's a parting and weaving of hair strands into blessings only abuelas know how to make. My aunt Rocio waits her turn. They hurry off to school, clumsy, bellies full of gelatina. Mada, chio! A classmate calls out from the playground. They run towards each other like children do. Mochilas clapping on their lower backs, rose cheeks tinted by an equator sun erupt into giggles. And when they become teenagers, the 80s crosses over the southern border in Nicra. Rocio's hair becomes as high as the sun, standing firm with mousse. Using the bowl of the spoon, mommy learns to curl her eyelashes, bending with metal, a sort of magic only they can find in the campo. Somewhere they were this glorious before. Somewhere they've always existed before the migration. This poem kind of captures the essence of what the reader is going to experience when reading a lot of these stories because they share so many of these same experiences. They feel that sense of home at first and then that sense of separation and then a sense of anger. It's almost like they're experiencing those different stages of grief that we hear so much about, Sonia. Yes, definitely. I think for us it was important that in putting together this anthology, we were bringing pieces Um, both essays, poems, and visual art pieces that kind of mirrored each other, but also brought in a range of experiences that maybe we ourselves as migrants may not have a shared experience. We brought in stories of folks who have been deported, stories of people who have decided to leave on their own will. And we also brought in stories about folks in relationship with their families and their mothers or their parents seeking asylum, even within the migrant stories. Like many of us have different migration stories where we have been able to adjust our immigration status. Others, there isn't any type of relief that might be able to like help them adjust their immigration status. And so we wanted to bring in stories that mirror, but also fill in gaps where maybe 
in the larger national conversation, we haven't heard those stories. So my poem is just a little glimpse of the incredible stories that you are able to find in the anthology. And you're also able to hear them. The book is also can be found as an audiobook, so people can listen in and, and buy the audio copy. So are these stories narrated by the writers themselves? We actually were able to work with um, HarperCollins to bring in incredible readers who are contracted to do audiobooks. And we made sure to incorporate readers that were from the Caribbean, readers who speak different Spanish dialects, also non-binary readers, queer readers, to kind of lift up the intersections of like many of our contributors who are also themselves non-binary, queer, trans, from the Caribbeans, from the Dominican Republic, or even like from New York or from the East Coast. We wanted to make sure that that sort of like accent, language, the flow uh, was being highlighted and reflected in, in the audiobook. Well, Reina, Sonia was talking right now about that amazing diversity of contributors that are in this book, Somewhere We Are Human. Can you talk about the process in looking for these writers? Did you already have these artists, these poets, these writers in mind? Or how was it that you were able to gather such a diverse group for this particular collection? Yeah, so we did it in different steps. The first step was Sonia and I talked about some contributors that we already had in mind that they knew or that I knew. We made a list of people that we really wanted to include in the anthology. And then we put out a call, an open call for submissions. And we got a lot. You know, we got over 100 submissions and we were tasked with a difficult process of deciding right who we were going to include in the anthology and it was very very difficult because there were so many beautiful stories very powerful very important voices that need to be heard but unfortunately we didn't have the space for all of them and we tried our best to include as many as we could because originally we were only going to have around 25 contributors included But then, you know, we kept trying to bring in more and more. And eventually we got to 41 pieces. And at that point, well, we had to say, okay, this is all we can fit into this book. Even though, you know, the immigration experience is so universal, each piece in here is very unique. And the voice of each contributor is unique. So to us, one of the things that we wanted to make sure we were doing was also to make sure we were including diverse voices. And so in the anthology, you're going to find contributors who are from Mexico, from El Salvador, from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, from Ecuador, from Argentina, from different places in Latin America. And then we also included people outside of Latin America because we wanted to, you know, make people aware that the undocumented experience isn't just limited to the Latino experience or exclusively Latino experience. So we included contributors from other countries like the Philippines, from Brazil, from Vietnam, from Korea, 
Bangladesh. So there was diversity in this anthology. And of, of course, we would have loved to have included even more countries in this anthology, but we ran out of space and we're hoping for part two so that we can continue to highlight and uplift even more immigrant voices. Well, Sonia, when I was reading the introduction, these were pieces that were all written at a pretty precarious time for immigrants. It it kind of always is a very precarious time, but politically, in our recent memory, you know, at this time, DACA was being debated as it still is. There were many migrants in detention as they still are. Black Lives Matter was happening. We were in the height of a global pandemic. How did that inform many of these contributions to this collection? Did it add sort of this heightened tension, do you think, to the writing that was taking place? Yeah, good question. I think it speaks to the urgency of the need to tell these stories, the need to highlight and and uplift these kind of stories. We're still in a very anti-immigrant times, like political times. Uh, We recently seen what has happened in Florida towards our migrant communities, but also towards our trans and non-binary communities, our larger LGBTQ communities throughout the country. And I think that for us, Definitely at the very front of what was happening when this book was being developed, when we were working with all our contributors and their first and second and even third and fourth drafts, it was the we were at the very beginning of a pandemic, not knowing what was going to happen. Many of our contributors were dealing with COVID-19 themselves, whether it was taking care of themselves or their families or chosen families. For example, myself, like I lost my uncle during the pandemic, during putting together of this book. And simultaneously, other life things were happening for contributors. Some folks were working on their immigration cases and had to pull out. Or the writing got too much at some points for some of our contributors and folks needed to take break. And so in the process of putting this book together, we were answering the call, the urgency of having these stories out in the world, but also simultaneously making space for our contributors who they themselves are migrant, undocumented, formerly undocumented, working on their immigration cases, taking care of their families. And I think that was like pivotal for the way that we worked on this book, uh, centering not just the lives of our contributors, but their well-being and taking care of them through the journey of publishing this book. And for which, for many of them, was the first time in this very public book with one of the largest publishing houses in, in the country. Sonia Guignan-Saka is a poet, writer, cultural organizer, and activist. Reina Grande is a writer, memoirist, and writing teacher. They're both co-editors of the collection Somewhere We Are Human, Authentic Voices on Migration, Survival, and New Beginnings. Still to come, Reina Grande says her success as a writer sometimes brings feelings of guilt. And I'm constantly juggling this feeling of um, enjoying the success that I've been able to find, but at the same time feeling guilty because I have this and, and so many other immigrants don't have it. Our conversation continues next on Fronteras.
Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The stories in the anthology, Somewhere We Are Human, are told by 41 dreamers, migrants, and refugees. They bring humanity back into the discussion about immigration. It's a collection of joy, sorrow, determination, and struggle. For example, South Asian immigrant Racine Saman writes of going to law school to be the attorney her parents and other migrants needed until she realized that immigration law upholds racial tenets. Also, Mexican immigrant Reina Grande writes about reading Sweet Valley High in junior high and getting a peek into white middle-class America, then seeing her U.S.-born children living the Sweet Valley High kind of life. Reina Grande and Sonia Guinianzaca are co-editors of the anthology. Grande says each story resonates in different ways. I think some of the ones that really like taught me a lot because it wasn't something that, that I was as familiar with was, uh, for example, Carolina Rivera's piece about the civil war in El Salvador and the toll that it took on the people there. And, you know, she talks about the impact that it had on her family and why she was forced to leave her country. And so for me, like that was such, such a powerful piece. I also really love Aline Mayo's piece where she writes about the complicated relationship she has with her body and how she's tying that into her experience as an undocumented person and how that has impacted the way, you know, she feels about her body and the space that she's taking up in this country. And another one of my favorites was um, Lucy Rodriguez Hanley's piece where she's reflecting on what's, what was going on at the border during the Trump administration with the family separations. And she was in the hospital. She was pregnant and uh, she was at high risk. And she's reflecting on, even though she's going through this difficult moment, she's still very lucky because she's in a hospital and getting a lot of care and she has a lot of support and help from her community. And what struck me about her piece is where, you know, she's reflecting on her guilt because she feels guilty about the things that she has. And I think this is something that all immigrants can relate to because we all suffer from survivor's guilt. And, and I know for me, like that's something that really impacts me a lot, like this survivor's guilt and, and I'm constantly juggling this feeling of um, enjoying the success that I've been able to find, but at the same time feeling guilty because I have this and, and so many other immigrants don't have it. Or I even feel guilty about having survived my border crossing, for example, you know, and then when I hear stories of other child immigrants who have perished at the border, I feel guilty that that I survived and they did not. So Lucy's piece really captures that feeling of us constantly feeling that guilt. And what about you, Sonia? Are there any particular essays or paintings or poems that stood out to you the most? I'm there with right now when it comes to the collection of pieces that we have in this anthology. They're all incredible. One of the essays that really, really highlighted the reflection that many of us are doing is Razine's piece. She's become a lawyer at this point in the essay um, and having to navigate what it is to work within the system that is constantly trying to dehumanize her and her communities. And so just trying to get this like reflective piece of 
what do we do when now we're in positions of power or having to navigate the same systems that hurt us and continues to hurt our communities? There's a couple of poems as well. Jesus's poems, that is at the very beginning, Jesus Valles, Quinceañeras, You Find Home, Then You Run. They're incredible poems. And also just wanted to highlight all the incredible visual art pieces, the photography, the sketches from Alan Pelaez Lopez to Romy Toricos that just reflect how people are seeing themselves, their childhoodness or their current selves in terms of this like period of time that we're in as migrants, as queer, as trans folks. But yeah, and I also wanted to lift up Elias, who is one of our essayists and his background is not in, in writing, is in design, and what an incredible essay that they wrote, and they were able to work with Reina. And additionally, they were the one who, who helped us create the cover of our beautiful anthology, the incredible dandelion flower that is embroidered in the front. That was Elias' work, work of art that he hand-did and was shipped to New York in order to make it as a cover of our book. You read my mind. I was going to ask you about that because I love book covers. And you wrote about the influence of this book cover. You mentioned the dandelion. Reina, can you talk a little bit about the significance of the dandelion on the book cover? Yeah, well, Sonia and I had a discussion about what image we felt mostly reflected the stories that were in the anthology and we know that the monarch butterfly has become a symbol for migration and we have embraced the monarch. When we're advocating for immigrants, for our immigrant community, we always talk about how migration is not a crime. It's an act of survival, as we can see it in, in the monarch butterfly's journey of migration. But we felt that the monarch didn't quite capture the stories in here because, you know, we're thinking about how does U.S. society treat immigrants and everybody loves butterflies, but not everybody loves dandelions. You know, they have been very maligned and we're always trying to get rid of dandelions in our garden, always like spraying all these pesticides and pulling them out and trying to eradicate the dandelion. And we see it as a weed, something that is not wanted. And in some ways, that's the way U.S. society treats immigrants, right, as people that are not wanted. But we're not appreciating the beneficial properties of the dandelion, just like we don't appreciate all the benefits that immigrants give to this country. And so that's how we landed on the dandelion as the image that we wanted to have on our cover, because they're so resilient and no matter how how much harm we try to do to them and, and how we try to eradicate, they continue to survive and they learn how to thrive even in the most toxic soils. They will continue to thrive and that's how the community, the immigrant community is. We're survivors, we're resilient and we will thrive regardless of the toxicity around us. This is so important for people to support books like these that are written by and about migrants themselves because this is where you get to hear our stories and you get to uplift, you know, the immigrant community. You send a message 
to publishers that you want more authentic stories. And I just want to thank again all our contributors for this anthology because it wouldn't exist without their hard work. And I am just so proud of all of them for the stories that they wrote and they continue to write. And also it's just so beautiful because so many of them, this is the first time that they see their work in print in English and also in Spanish. So I just want to say that it was such a, an honor for Sonia and I to be able to work on this anthology and to help other immigrants have their voices heard. And I hope we can continue to collaborate and to continue to uplift even more voices. Reina Grande is a writer and memoirist. She's written about her immigration experience in the memoirs, The Distance Between Us and A Dream Called Home. Sonia Guinansaka is a poet, writer, activist, and cultural organizer. Guinansaka, who goes by they-them pronouns, is founder of House of Alegria, a publishing press and residency project for emerging queer, trans, and non-binary migrant artists. Grande and Guinansaka are co-editors of Somewhere We Are Human, Authentic Voices on Migration, Survival, and New Beginnings. It's a collection of poems, essays, and illustrations by 41 undocumented and formerly undocumented immigrants. Thanks for joining us for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marian Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. Mm-hmm.